Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Chapter Two's Talent Ed podcast. I'm joined today by Misha Wormsley, Senior Talent Partner at Element. Element is a matrix-based end-to-end encrypted messenger and collaboration app. Uh, They placed 10th this year on the Startups 100 list and are having huge success. Um, Misha gives his insight and experience and tells us all about how to understand who is really in your target demographic of talent, how we need to demonstrate to our future and also current employees that we really care and the role that mental health plays in the workplace. So listen in, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, so a big uh, welcome to Misha, who I have been trying to get on the podcast for a long time now. Thank you so much for joining me. I think it's third time lucky. Um, And I'm so pleased to have you here. Um, We've just been talking at length anyway, so we just thought we'd better press record and and get going uh, with it. But let's just... uh, Let's just kick off with a little bit of an intro on you. Like you say, you don't like to talk about yourself too much, but you have had a few uh, years experience now within the world of talent acquisition, um, uh, tech specifically as well. Um, tell us a little bit about you know where you've come from. Mm. Um, working backwards. Uh, I'm currently working for a tech company, really cool and interesting tech company, but of course I would say that. Um, working in open source software and decentralized systems. Um, a very simple way to put it, uh, and I like simple things, is we compete against Slack and Teams, but in a more um, decentralized and open source context. Um, mm-hmm. A better relationship with data security data provenance um, called Element. Uh, And then there's this beautiful complex relationship between the matrix protocol, which we wrote and built, which is a not-for-profit, and the client we built on top of that called Element. Um, Really fun organization. We're shifting gears from what, in my, my frame of reference, I'd say we're shifting gears from being an established startup with product market fit and good revenue, good revenue growth year on year, quarter on quarter, lots of decent size, happy customers and a really strong inflow of customers. We're shifting gears into a more scale up uh, environment, um, but we're trying to do it in a holistic and sustainable manner, mm-hmm. not a hockey stick growth at all costs, but a true like hiring for retention mindset. Yeah. Um, and slow and steady rather than fast and sharp as a growth curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have all of the same problems of any other scaling tech company, <laughs> yeah. um, which, is, which is good because there's a lot of knowns. Um, prior to that, uh, so I'm currently with Element, which is exciting. Prior to that, confusingly, I was with Elements. <laughs> talent yeah. consultancy um which is a really really exciting uh, and dynamic uh, consulting business working with scaling tech companies i spent a little over two years working with them and i was embedded on the spotify project with them mm-hmm. um i worked in a few different aspects of spotify while i was on that project um which was an interesting insight into human first led business yeah you can care deeply about the people in your care, 
<laughs> as well as growing revenue and you don't have to necessarily have a trade-off for those two no, things. it does exist. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I spent a handful of years working in the London agency side market for um, uh, tech recruitment, albeit I was specifically focused on product management um, hiring. Uh, and that feels like a million years ago, even though it was a hot minute ago. Um, and prior to that, I had a whole other life doing a whole bunch of other stuff, a lot of which was around human resources. And yeah. Kickstarting, kick kick I think I firmly believe people over intellectualize hiring in general and hiring in tech. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, spend a whole day talking about that. <laughs> Well, yeah, let's start with that, because I think um, I think what we were just talking about before we pressed record was really interesting. And I like the way that you like to keep things simple. And actually, I think sometimes people can make more progress and take more tangible uh, direction or advice or experience or whatever it might be from it. Um, so let's let's revisit that. So um, we said, obviously, we hear constantly about this war for talent, especially tech talent currently in the market, things are pretty fierce, as uh, as people like to say. But what what do you think is kind of if someone's approaching, you know, uh, a number of roles that they might be recruiting, especially within that sort of tech sector? What do you think are kind of the, the the foundations that they need to have in place or they need to understand before they start worrying about whether they're involved in a war for talent? Um, I think if you're not prioritising for people mm-hmm. first, then you've already failing um, your responsibility to the, the business that you're serving, the organisation and the individuals. Uh, and to expand on that, I mean... Um, in rapidly growing tech businesses, um, I always try and hire for the team that needs hiring for f- most first, like care for the people in the business. If you have a team that's underserved and under-resourced, make sure that team is safe. And if that means adding one or two more people so they can get through a growth period, do that above your strategic goals. Don't leave your teams underserved and under-resourced. Um, because they'll leave and then yeah. you have a problem about replacing them in an already volatile market. Um, sure. that's, a, that's just the sentiment that I really think of around prioritization first. Um, when we talk, when we speak about the subject about like the, the war for talent, um, to revisit what we were speaking on just before, I think it's a misrepresentation. I think uh, if, you, if you think there's a war for talent, then you've got an adversarial mindset or you're like some tech bro who wants to sound big um, and great. Good luck with that. Um, I think that it's a competitive marketplace in a very, it's a competitive process in a very bubbly and volatile market. That actually hasn't changed too much in the last five years. It's Mm -hmm. just augmenting. Um, but if you go through your professional life thinking that it's a battle, then that's what you'll get out of it, right? Yeah. Um, I think you really need to understand what you're, if, you're think, if you think you're competing for talent, who you think you're competing against and why. If you don't understand what your addressable market of talent is, then how can you possibly 
like seek to engage with them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you can truly compete with Fang, then you, you're going to have to sure as heck have to do it on the terms of the talent that address that are in that market segment. Yeah. Um, and that means you, you are probably a unicorn and have very deep pockets to address that problem space. But if you want, if you want Fang talent and you don't have those, the depth of those pockets, work it out, work out where you, where the people are that you need, how to find them, how to communicate with them on their terms. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose um, if you get to that point and you you understand actually who you are competing with or, or who that talent is that you want, um, what's the next step? Like, it, how do you start to go about approaching those people? How How do you appeal to them? Oh, there's nothing, nothing really novel in you in that. Um, it's just about storytelling, isn't it? Like humans are really simple. We want a compelling narrative. We want to see our, our, our position in that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to tell the story of why the team, the business, the company, the organization, the work is meaningful to that specific person. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I've seen, um, if you can't tell a compelling story, you should probably get some help. Right. You don't know everybody's a storyteller. And that is, you know, like I mean, sincerely, I was I've been following this chap um who works with CEOs on strategic narrative, literally yeah. just consults with CEOs on ensuring that from the C-suite down, there is an actually effective holistic strategic narrative for that organization. Same holds true. Like if you think uh, you can hire people without positioning without telling them a compelling story and showing them where their position is in that story and what their contribution to the growth of that or company that well, people really don't care about the company anymore too much unless you've got a very strong vision or mission mm-hmm. uh, but the work like what am I going to build especially if we're talking about tech and software engineers Mm-hmm. Like they're creators, they're artistic individuals who want to know what problems they're going to solve. Yeah. That's not, that's too different from most people in a professional context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually that's come up a couple of times recently. We've been talking to um, companies, brands that are very much kind of household names, huge um, kind of, you know, huge awareness of them. But what they don't necessarily have is... Uh, there's no kind of outward facing understanding of what somebody in the tech world might be doing within that brand, which is crazy because it almost could go against them in a way, you know, they're, they're not recognized for doing that. So what is it, what is it that that developer is going to be doing or, and, and because they don't have that little window into, into that, there's, they're, they're really struggling to then get ahead and get some face time with those the types of people that they want to be recruiting um so I think that's really you know wise make sure that you understand you know that it's not just about what the overarching product might be if you're not a tech uh startup it doesn't matter you still might want to attract that type of talent to your business um, and how you're going to do that um okay so let's just go back to element as well so um you've had a successful year obviously and um uh, startups 100 listed as yeah. number 10 <laughs> yeah, that's that amazing difficult. tell us a little uh, bit more about that uh, um I, we're very happy and proud for uh, any and all successes we've achieved this year um i 
feel very strongly about the vision and mission of the the company mm-hmm. um and it was back to storytelling i i say multiple times in a week i do feel that what we're trying to achieve here is meaningful yeah yeah um it, it has true meaning and value outside of building a stronger revenue stream and a stronger market penetration mm-hmm. um, that's very complex to unpack and we put, i don't i don't think i do it search despite what i do for a job i don't think i do it service in the context of this call but needless to say i think our fundamental vision and mission for the organization around decentralized communication giving people the right to privacy and the right to owning part of their communication and having mm-hmm. access to private communication um has meaning and value in the in a rapidly evolving technical landscape where people realize how creepy the internet has become (laughs) like if they call i know this is out there but like if they called cookies tracking trackers you'd decline all of them wouldn't you but we like cookies so it's really easy to say accept all right it's an oversimplification right but i mean I've had an iPhone for years and I've used, I still use WhatsApp, right? And I ignore all of the bits and bobs around my digital footprint. Or I have done for a good couple of decades. Um, and I kind of, I, it's not why I'm working for the company. I kind of get to this point where I'm like, do you know what? I'm kind of sick of being fed advertising wherever yeah. I look. Completely. I already bought those shoes. Why are you still advertising? <laughs> um so yeah i think um we're very proud of all of the steps we're making in the right direction as a as an organization um and i think it's still really early days mm-hmm. and with things like you know being listed as number 10 etc does that make your job easier is it kind of do you see more incoming <laughs> yeah i think um uh i think Anybody who says any PR is good PR is probably in PR. Um, I think we're always really happy to be for any sort of news media uh, or, or, or market marketing about us. Um, but getting out and the the, t- the type of talent we're looking for isn't just going to come in bulk applications. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and we are a deeply technical organization that's heavily skewed towards engineering. Um, And I'm not going to hire the volume of people I need as quickly as I would like Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. by having some, an influx of applicants. (laughs) But that's cool. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, I suppose it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, playing the long game a little bit more, like understanding that um, it's not about putting process in place that's going to be fix an immediate problem or, you know, target that you might have. It's about understanding what, you know, the longer term plan is and the five year plan and the 10 year plan and, and making sure that you get it right now so that you're not, you know, looking back and, and uh, sort of at your mistakes or you know you may you maybe move too soon and then it wasn't the right decision so I think a slow and steady approach like you mentioned earlier is probably very wise and <laughs> uh, what about sort of tech and things like that I mean in terms of um tech stacks and anything that you might use like you said it's a very particular area that you're recruiting for is there anything that you would recommend that you find useful no do you know what we're running at um the 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 talent team here is running um, a pretty low-tech 
stack at the minute mm-hmm. um and i it's my preference to to keep it that way for a while mm-hmm. um i think i'm i think i'd value focusing on human connection and communication rather than uh, a lot of bells and whistles and tools mm-hmm. um i turned a few heads last week when i said that we don't use linkedin as a, a primary source of candidates mm-hmm. I stand by that. I'm not saying that the people we we I've hired through LinkedIn recently. I personally have had many jobs there. I, albeit I am in talent, um, but it's it's an oversaturated channel, right? Um, what we're trying to do is build a holistic brand that people are interested in. Yeah, and I'm not trying to achieve that in like one quarter or one year. I want to take, you know, back to your side, I want to take it slow and steady and just build a team who understand how to connect with people and ask mm-hmm. them what they need and want. Yeah. Um, I've Language I've been using frequently recently around when talking to candidates about role specifications is that I'm not looking for square pegs to fit square holes, right? I'm, I'm looking to meet technical individuals and understand and their desired direction of travel in their career and see whether that where that aligns in our business yeah. and take a take a more consultative approach to hiring for what's essentially an earlier stage um, technical business albeit past the startup stage and I think that mindset as is delivering really well instead of going like well here's a job spec do you do these things yes no pass fail right I think that's good for enterprise scale organizations who want to hire 500 to a thousand people and have very strict and rigid criteria in their mindset around what good looks like. What what I want to hire for is people who align with the vision and mission and care about staying in a role for a couple of years. I'd I'd very much be, if I could achieve in the next few years, maintaining our our headcount retention figures and managing our churn and attrition, Mm -hmm irrespective of everything else i'd be quite happy because changing jobs is really stressful interviewing is not fun it's incredibly stressful process so i'd like everybody who comes to play and build with us to stay for as long as makes sense for them and for them to leave as good leavers Mm -hmm. and and upwards with our blessings Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. i'm obviously a romantic (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's so true because as much as we hear about um you know, like the great resignation and the counter off culture and all of that stuff at the moment. And everyone seems in a bit of a frenzy about their, the, you know, their strategic workforce plans for next year and the demand ambition and, and what that, how they are going to achieve that essentially, which is right. You know, that is one problem that they, that they probably need to think about, but also I hear far less about, you know, staff retention and and making sure that actually the team that you've already got in place, making sure that they're feeling um, engaged and and that they can see that longevity in their role, um, at least for a couple of years, you know, like you say. So that's quite refreshing to hear, I think, because I don't think many people are talking at the moment about actually the people that have already, you know, want to stay put and want to progress within their role and within a company. Um, And, that's what you need. I mean, Chuck's two is very similar. 
we've gone from four to 50 and then you know that will that will, uh, can, will definitely continue for the next year at least um but we're very conscious that we need to make sure that we have people that are aligned with the mission and the values and everything um because you know we've got a long way to go so you've got to get it right now mm. one thing that I, i've been thinking i haven't done any research or reading into this yet but it's on my back of my mind list is this this incredibly buoyant and volatile market in, that we find ourselves in tech hiring, like how much of this is tied to the concept of exponential growth, mm-hmm. right? Like how many of these, how many of these companies are going like, well, we need to grow by 7,000, 8,000 people in the next year because our share, our shareholders demand it. I'm pretty sure the shareholders just want a good return on their investment, right? So, like, who, like, who in this in this cultural paradigm around exponential growth, who's drive, who's driving what? Which forces are driving the need for this many jobs mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. many ro- open roles? Mm-hmm. And what's what's a healthy return on investment for growth? You know, like. What is what's the cost of slowing down? I will be, I'm not an economist and I'm not very well read in this, but it's something I've been thinking about lately. Where like, if the market's so crazy, why why are we all in such a race to end the world, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what, what's a more holistic approach to business growth and therefore headcount growth? You know, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah. I don't know. Just questions, no answers there. Sorry. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. We're all sort of racing towards this target, but who's actually, you know, setting it? Um, so can we talk a little bit about um, the work that you do around mental health and um, you obviously you're, um, you post a lot about kind of uh, the mental health work that you do and, um, and things like that. And I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about it because I think it's really important. It's, it's at the forefront of a lot of companies' minds, but I wonder how many of them kind of are actually doing, you know, what they say. And I just wanted to kind of get your opinion really and and your experiences so far yeah i mean there's a few ways to there's a few ways to approach this subject matter but let's start from like um, a corporate or commercial perspective i firmly believe in if in 2021 2022 as a, a forward thinking business or as a 21st century people organization if you don't have a line in your budget that's actually deliberately and intentionally attributed to well-being mm-hmm. and you're putting money behind that yeah that you don't really you haven't really committed to the people in your organization and sure. i don't mean like a gym subsidy that's a tax write-off uh, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer that you pay your people enough so they can afford the gym of their choice rather than have to choose mm-hmm. x gym or um and the whole f- the whole fruit bowl thing is don't get me wrong i like good coffee in the office but <laughs> if it's if there's terrible coffee i'll go buy my own coffee i'm quite happy to to front up on that regard but well-being well-being is in well-being in that work context i think is individual sure yeah right? to a company's culture and the meaning they attribute to togetherness um, and connection and disconnection mm-hmm. uh, and also an individual's agency around what they identify with well-being like yeah. it, you know a, a budget line a, a, 
a budget line that an individual could address where I could get a massage a month if I wanted mm-hmm. or a manicure, a pedicure, because I run. So my, my, my fingers are fine, but my feet get shredded from yeah. running. Um, or I could take myself out for a nice lunch and I could still be like, not judged for that being like, you know, me taking myself out for lunch for one. Yeah. I feel pretty good. I feel like I'd done a, like a bit, an act of self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, or like whatever it means to an individual to be, to fo- focus on and practice self-care. Mm-hmm. The return on that investment for a business, demonstrating that you care and putting money behind it. And whether it's like, engaging with somebody like Sanctus. Uh, I I was lucky enough to experience their work and I'm a a huge fan of theirs. Um, uh, We don't currently use them at Element, but I hope we do in the future. Um, Or um, pick any other organizations that's invested in hands-on, proactive well-being for your team and company, demonstrating you care. Right, and putting it in, coding it, hard coding it into the budget from the top down, and then talking about it, you know, um, being o- being okay to talk about the fact that the world is terribly confusing at the moment, yeah. and that has an impact on our teams, the individuals, and on the business and how we make business decisions. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. I think, like you say, it's so individual um, what you perceive, uh, you know, wellness to be and actually having just an across the board perk or whatever it might be that actually is going to tick five out of 10 people's boxes is really missing the mark and not really thinking properly about it. Um, So I agree completely. And also I think talking is really the key, the key word, giving people the opportunity to talk and somebody as well that uh, to talk to somebody that might not be your direct line manager, might not even be someone in your team, but just somebody that you can have that little bit of time with, especially working from home, you know, more regularly. I mean, we're in the office 50-50, but actually getting that face-to-face time with people you feel much, much better you feel more refreshed you know you've had that time to be able to talk to people and I think um I think it's kind of a a really important thing a buddy or just somebody that you can talk to um and making sure that it's actually put in place you know it's an official thing it can be whoever they want to but it's actually discussed and it's something that people know that they can lean on if they need to yeah Um, I think um the aligned with well-being is um, growth and growth and learning and development from an organizational perspective. And I think hard coding, coaching and mentoring into how we communicate as an organization from a management, from both like a leadership and a management structure through to peer groups um, is complex, but valuable and meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, at Element, we don't currently have a formal construct outside of an onboarding buddy and the, the informal coaching and mentoring that goes with the line management. Yeah. Um, but I know our, I know our management layer are fantastic at what they do and incredibly invested in that servant leadership model. Um, so I'm confident in the deliverables there, but I do aspire for us in the next year and two years and three years to be able to codify coaching and mentoring and peer group buddying into mm-hmm. a construct where people um, can communicate effectively and feel supported. Um, we've got a small 
uh, well-being group at the moment um, that's making the right step, making steps in the right direction, um, but probably needs a budget line to support them, right? And a little bit more of like a, a leadership sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a, bit more lead- a bit more leadership sponsorship, right? You know, the, every, everything needs a champion, right? So um, yeah. and I am firmly, back to your pre- the initial statement, I am personally um, very invested in mental health and well-being. I'm also, I can't blanch, refuse to be the one banging the drum all the time mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It's, it's at a detriment to my own well-being. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm conscious of time. It's flown by. Um, But just to kind of uh, leave it there. So like we said, this is just all about um, an open forum for you, uh, industry leaders, experts in what you do to kind of share your insight for for that younger generation or or someone that might be starting out and looking at how to uh, manage this war for talent, as we like to say. Um, So tell me your if there's kind of three key things that you think should be a priority for those startups, what would you, what would you say? Clearly understand what story you're trying to tell um, to the, the people you interact with and their place in that story. Um, demonstrate how you care and care and care deeply. My, and, yeah. and be, be prepared to show it in, in both words and actions mm-hmm. um, and focus less on brute force acquisition and focus stronger on retention um, because those people you retain will only help you grow. Uh, adding a point onto that, if you're in a scaling, if you're in a startup and a scaling uh, organization, and this is a really complex one because a lot of people won't identify with this, understand on a cultural level that we all have to be sort of in a growth and hiring mindset at a certain stage of growth. And that's really uncomftable for some people. You have people who work people who work in leadership and management roles or in the function, like the people and the talent function, they get that that's their job and they've got responsibility to grow. Yeah. Distilling that to a scaling organisation that actually, hey, we've all got a bit of a responsibility to each other to grow and to champion. Mm-hmm. That's very hard to engender, you know, because you'll find that Ted in sales will be like, it's not my not my problem to help the company grow. I was like, ah, Ted, you're in sales, mate. Like, um, or like Tess in marketing will be like, I don't, I don't want to talk about the, you know, growing our headcount. I was like, well, you're in marketing, right? <laughs> Loose examples. The same translates for engineering. Like we need to, if we believe in the companies we work for, we have to be prepared to like say nice things about it publicly. Yeah, sure. Treat it as if it's your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you you only get that from the team and the organisation if you care deeply about them and show that you care deeply and Mm -hmm. and turn up for them um, and deliver against their well-being and their learning and development and don't just care about profit and growth. Care about the people who are helping you achieve that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's brilliant. I think that's a really, really sound piece of advice and probably something that people will take away and actually think, right, are we actually delivering on that? And are we actually making our people, do they know we care, you know? So um, I love that. Demonstrate that you care. Uh, I think that's a really good one. 
Um, oh, well, thank you so much, Misha. I've really, really loved chatting to you. I knew it'd be good because I know when, when we talk normally that you're just straight to the point and, and that's what we need. So um, thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything in the future with the, with the scaling that you're about to embark on. Um, and uh, yeah, we wish you all the best of luck. Thanks. Speak soon. Speak to you later. Bye.